This is tape 15 of the series, The Destination of Faith, Heaven by Dr. Joel Hunter. Our line to heaven is the subject of this message. Dr. Hunter's scripture text is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 24. And from the New International Version, it reads as follows. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. And now let's join in for praise and worship followed by message number 15, Our Line to Heaven, in this series, The Destination of Faith, Heaven. God, what a horrible event um, it was in Oklahoma City this week. Um, What an act of, I agree, cowardice. What a a follow-up of compassion. Um, Father, we too would join our hearts to those people who long to help, knowing that the greatest help we can be is to pray that you would provide the comfort and strength needed. We know you to be a God of mercy, a God of compassion. And so, Father, we ask you to go there and pull those people to yourself. Uh, Let them know that you are the only answer in a situation like this. And help us all to know and to be reminded of the brevity of life. We can be taken out at any time. Help us to invest ourselves into eternal things, into the work of Christ. Father, we also understand you to be a God of justice. I tremble to think of the vengeance that will be before these men and and possibly women who perpetrated this act. But God, help us to leave that to you. Help us to trust you that you are a God of justice who does not miss a detail. And help us, Lord God, to be glad that you're in charge. Now we ask you to help us to worship you in a way that uh, lifts you up, praises you, and recognizes your sovereignty. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're coming right down to the end of a four-month deal on uh, uh, heaven. Four-month deal on heaven. It's been a long morning already. Four month, very distinguished preaching <laughs> series on heaven. Huh, Vernon? Isn't it? Yes, thank you. Yes, okay, moving right along. Okay, I've, I've got to do this before Tim starts playing the piano. He always starts playing the piano when I go too long. What we want to do with these last couple of weeks is to get as firm a connection between heaven and earth, between the, the highest life to our everyday life as we can. We began last week uh, to uh, say that the resurrection was not just a point in history. It was history. It was about all of history, about all of life. And so, therefore, we want to do that same thing with um, the conception of heaven. We want very much for you to tie heaven every day into your life. And there's no better vehicle for that than prayer. Now, what we have to do, though, is to kind of Take prayer out of the realm of the, the very 
cursed only these and thou, only very formal occasions. Prayer should happen every day. And, and so in order to get there, we're going to um, uh, do a, a song this morning that you'll remember. It's an old gospel song. It's a great song. Just one of those motivational things. that talks about exactly this. Establishing a line between earth and heaven. Listen to this. Hello? Are you satisfied with your telephone service? Yes. Did you know that you could be saving 32% on your long-distance calls simply by switching to AT&T? No. Excuse me, call waiting. I'll hold. Thanks. Good day, ma'am. Have you ever thought about saving up to 32% on your long-distance calls? Yeah, I was just... With MCI friends and family, you'll be able to call the people you call whenever you call them. Okay. Can you hold on a second? Certainly. Thanks. Sorry about that. Wouldn't you like your friends to hear your true voice? I didn't think I was using a false one. Pardon me again. Gracious, good afternoon. This is Ernestine from Sprint's Long Distance. So, are you ready to switch to MCI? I'm confused. I think I better pray about this. Is God a part of your friends or family? Yeah. Well, let me connect you to that party.
know, the only problem with doing one of those is you don't want to hear this sermon now, do you? You want to hear more of that, don't you? I knew it. I knew it. Well, turn, if you've got your scriptures with you, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I give you a biblical basis for what we just did. You think I can do that? You better always ask for that. Better always ask for it. Here it goes. Starting with verse 16. It says, Rejoice always. Rejoice always. And the, and the closest that we can get the Greek there is in every circumstance. In every circumstance. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And you here is plural. He, Paul is giving instructions to the church. Not only to you as individuals, but instructions to the whole church. The attitude the whole church ought to have. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Christ Jesus. Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. Now, that's the second time in two verses he said that. It's God who's doing the work here. It's God who's bringing it to pass. And then Paul makes a startling statement. Paul, one of the greatest saints of all times, Paul, the writer of most of the New Testament, writes this sentence. Brethren, pray for us. Pray for us. Now, if Paul needed prayer... You think we need prayer? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, here we go. Let me just go down the line here. And let me tell you that it is so important for us to broaden the parameter of prayer that we've had. To extend it. To understand that prayer is not only a very sober and formal thing, as it is sometimes, and properly so, it is also a joyful and marvelous, an everyday thing. You know, it was said of Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest theologian, uh, theologians and one of the greatest preachers of all times, that he slid so easily from humor and prayer, from humor to prayer and back again, that he lived entirely naturally in both. We need to understand that prayer is a joyful thing. It, is a, it has the attitude of victory. It, it looks forward to greatness. Last week, we talked about how Christ's victory was complete. The penalty was devastating, but the victory was complete. And let me tell you something. If you are in Christ, that's your victory. When the Bible says, rejoice always... It means in every circumstance, there is a blessing for you. Because there isn't a circumstance Christ does not have victory over. And so therefore, listen to this, if you don't get a blessing in every circumstance, it's because you quit looking too soon. It's there, you just quit looking too soon. You know... Last week, it was a, we told you it was going to be a different worship service, and it was. I mean, we realized 
that, that people had very definite reactions to this. We've gotten all kinds of feedback this week. For some people, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, you know? Some people said, I never realized the extent of Christ's payment for my sins until I saw that. So many, many people were saved last week. But some people, you know, of course, they had a different, you know, expectations. And it's perfectly normal when you come in with a set of expectations to have this kind of a up, joyous time the whole time to be disappointed. And, and so we certainly understand that. But one person stopped me in the hall. And the reason I use this illustration is because it's so, uh, it's so normal for us all. She said, you know, Joel, I, I really want to talk. I don't want to, you know, be a moaner or a groaner. But, boy, I was really disturbed at last week's service. I said, well, tell me about it. She said, well, just, you know, it just seemed like I was entering a dark tunnel and I never came out. It was so sobering. It was so, uh, 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 you know, hard to, to, to go through. And I said, well, yeah, I know. I, when, you know, think of... Christ in hell, there's no pleasant way you can portray that. Think of the extent of his suffering. There's no pleasant way you can do that. And she said, well, I just didn't see any joy or victory in it at all. And I said, wait. I said, you know, the part where, you know, from the, from the time where the guy who was playing God gets up and sings, arise, my son. I said, what more powerful victory, what more pervasive power and joy. And for the rest of the service, that's, that's what it was. Did you, how did you miss that? She said, oh, we didn't stay for that part. <laughs> when I hear, listen to this. How many of us, in the midst of our prayers, give up right when we're in hell? We get discouraged. And we say, this isn't working. I'm quitting. And you give up before you see the answer. You give up before the conclusion. If God is victor, you are victor if you're in Christ. Don't you understand Romans 8.28 still stands? All things work together for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Now, don't say all things work together for good. Because that doesn't... Go for all people in every place. If you're not with Christ, if you're not on God's side, you're in deep weeds. And not only are things, not all things going to work out for your good, but all things are going to work out to your detriment till you come around. And I don't care how good things are going right now. If you're not in Christ, it's like a person jumping out the 17th story of a building. And about, you know, seven stories down, he's saying, well, everything's okay so far, you know. It's that rude awakening that's awaiting. You know, I don't want to soft sell this. And I, I don't want to make it more pleasant than it is. All things don't work together for good to those who don't love Christ and are not called, into, called according to His purpose. But if you are, don't give up looking at the situation until you see the end. Because the end is the victory of Christ. And that victory is yours. It's promised to you if you're with Christ. Don't give up. If you're right in the middle of hell right now, stay till the end of the program. I guarantee you he's resurrected. I guarantee you he wins. We've read the end of the book. And if you're with him at the end of the book, you're going to be sitting pretty and you're going to be glad. I'm telling you what, some people say, well, we'll get through this and I'll be sorry it ever happened. No, his victory is so complete, so complete, that you will be glad of it because he will bring that much good out of it. Now, secondly, it says pray... Without ceasing. Well, what does that mean? I mean, you know, we've got to think about what our schedule is for the day and, you know, how to put our shoes on and what we're going to have for breakfast. What does that mean, pray without ceasing? I've got to think about some other stuff, too. Well, it doesn't mean 
Don't ever do anything but pray. It, it means, in, in the, the verb tense is, is a present imperative, and it, and it means, um, uh, it's a command, by the way, it's not a suggestion. <laughs> it's not, hey, this is a good idea, this will keep you up. You know, it's a command. And, and, and the, the meaning is not just continuous, but repetitive. And that's the part we want to talk about, repetitive. God, listen to this, if you don't, if you don't get anything else out of this sermon, get this. God wants the details. You know? God doesn't want for us to wait till we get ourselves in some huge emergency and then say, Oh, maybe I ought to pray about this because I don't think I can handle this. No. As a matter of fact, a good gauge to spiritual maturity is this. Answer this question. How big or how bad does a situation have to be before you give it to God in prayer? There's a reverse correlation. The more immature you are, the bigger and the worse the situation has to be. Because you think, you, you usually, well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give the big things to the man upstairs. And I'll take care of the rest myself. You know? And then you find yourself in deep weeds. You know why you're in deep weeds? Because you took care of the rest yourself. Because you didn't give him the details beforehand. There is such a thing as preventative prayer. You know that? We don't have to wait for an emergency. No, those who are mature understand that God is sovereign in every detail of life. That God is not more concerned about the emergencies than He is about the minute-to-minute blessings. That God is, is rife throughout life. And He wants the details. He doesn't want us to, to, to get in the situation. Look, you know, we're, we're in a situation in the United States right now where where the huge thing for the past couple of years has been health care. You know, it's just a financial devastation to this country. And, and the health care industry, you know, not only has to, has to handle what crisis they're in, but that they've, started to, they've started to say, you know what? We could save billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions, and billions of dollars if we put emphasis on staying healthy before you got sick. Now they're thinking. Now they're thinking. And I want to tell you it's the same thing with prayer. You can save yourself a whole lot of trouble if you stay healthy before you get sick. You know, there's also the... uh, Well, never mind. You got the point. Listen, here's, here's the point. We tend, in our daily uh, whatever, our daily activities, just to get a schedule and go at that schedule. Doing it for God, you know. Say, God, see you tonight, you know. And I'll kind of, in the best of our prayer lives, it's I'll sum up today, you know, and, and give it back to you tonight. And so we just take off. I heard a story one time, and, and I love this. It's a great paradigm for how we are. To do the, the burden carrying and so on and so forth and... and uh, you know, he was a driver. You know, he wanted to get to. He's a kind of a Teddy Roosevelt type. You know, wanted to get to the site and shoot big animals and so on and so forth. And so he's driving them there, walking miles every day. And and uh, and uh, so, you know, one night they made camp, and it was apparent that all the bear, the burden bearers were tired. And got up the next morning, and he says, "Okay, we've got a full day ahead of us. Let's get going." And they looked at him and said, "No, we're not going anywhere." And uh, he said, "What do you mean?" You're not going anywhere. I paid you for the, for the deal here. They said, well, we'll, we'll go uh, probably tomorrow. 
but we're not going anywhere right now. And he looked at him and he said, Why not? And they looked at him and said, in essence, because we've got to give time for our spirits to catch up to our bodies. I like that. Now, don't push that theology too far. That's not orthodox theology, but, but it's a good understanding of how we are. We don't let our spirits catch up to our bodies. You know why? Because we're not, we're not keeping prayed up. We're not giving the details to God all the time as we go along. We're not keeping prayed up. And so our spirits lag behind. You know what I'm learning? I just had a birthday this week, 47. Just in, well, just in case you were one. I know if I don't give you the age, you're going to go, 60. What do you think? 60. Right? <laughs> About a hard life, okay? I've, learned, I've earned every one of these. But I'm learning something at 47. You know what I'm learning? God's going to get his Sabbath one way or the other. And if I don't give it, he's going to take it. I, I, I walk into my office these days, sit down in my chair, and fall fast asleep sitting up. You know? I'll, I'll wake up and my head's down in a Bible. You know? God's going to get his Sabbath one way or the other. We had better, we had better give time for our spirits to catch up with our bodies. We had better keep prayed up. And when we, when we do that, then we can see God's timing. We miss God's timing if we just run off in our flesh and just want to accomplish all this, all this junk, you know? Listen, God has a timing for things. To everything, there is a season and a time for every purpose unto heaven. And so, therefore, pray details. Pray details. I don't care whether you think it's important or not. Who can build a good relationship only on the basis of a crisis? Can you do that with your husband or wife? The only time you really talk is when you've got a crisis? If that's true, your marriage is in trouble. And if that's true in your faith, your faith is in trouble. Keep praying every day. Okay, here we go. Then it says, it says, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Well, I know how to thank God for the good stuff, but I don't know how to thank Him for the bad stuff. I don't think, you know, I hear people say, oh, when a tragedy happened, God cries. You know? Like he's up there going, oh man, I wish I could help. There's just nothing I can do about it. Well, listen. Listen. God is compassionate. God has a heart for you. Jesus had a heart for you. But God isn't helpless. This doesn't surprise him. In everything, it says, give thanks. You know why? Because God is working out his will whether or not He's taken away the problem. Most people connect their prayer life with something on the order of a good fairy. If I just pray, then that good fairy will come at night and make things all better. Well, listen, if your God is a good fairy who only gives you pleasant blessings by surprise, you've got the wrong God. As a matter of fact, that God doesn't exist. You haven't read the complete picture. God is sovereign over travesty and catastrophe as well as over the good times. God is just as evident in those travesties as He is in the good times. None of that escapes His attention or His victory. None of it does. God doesn't have to take away all of your pain. God doesn't have to give you everything you ask for before He is answering your prayers. Now listen, please hear me right. 
always pray your first request to take away the pain, to cure it instantly. That's what I do. I go to God and I say, okay, God, here would be my first request. Here would be my idea of how you could respond here. Every time I pray for healing, I don't pray, teach me a lesson through this. I pray, take it away. You know? I want it instantaneous. I want it physical. If you got that for me, I want to see it. And I stand there and look. And I expect it. See? But listen, I know God better than that. After 25 years, God is not confined to instantaneous physical healing for his only manner of healing. That's not, that's not how he says Listen, here's what you need to understand. In everything, God has a plan. In everything. God doesn't have to take away the pain. Look at this. In, in, uh, look, turn to Numbers. If you have your scriptures with you, turn to Numbers chapter 21. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Again, while you're turning, it is never bad to pray your first choice, to pray that God would take it all away. Jesus did that when he was in the garden. He said, Father, if there be any way, let this cup pass from me. So that was, he was given his first request. It was just not God's plan. God answered his prayer and all of our prayers because he didn't take it away. But here's what I want you to see. I want you to see God answers prayer in very many different ways. Not always by relief. Here, let me set this up for you. Here's the children of Israel out in the wilderness moaning and groaning as usual. These guys are the biggest whiny bunch of sapsuckers in the world. And they're out there and they're wanting and they're, they're fussing with God and they're fussing with Moses and they're just... So God sends a plague on them. Now, listen to me. If the only way God can get you to pay attention to Him is to send a plague, He'll send a plague. Don't be surprised when you run flat into a wall. Don't be surprised. The Bible says God chastises whom He loves. He chastens whom he loves. And if he can't get your attention in any other way than a big emergency, you're going to have a big emergency. So, here he sends this plague. And the Bible says in verse 6, And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. You say, boy, that's pretty harsh. Attention-getting device. Well, let me tell you, there's things that much worse than death. Much worse than death. And one of them is, the main one is, not paying attention to God. So, the people came to Moses. When the pain gets great enough, you kind of, okay, all right, okay. You kind of get the message, at least the chosen ones do. So the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned because we have spoken against the Lord and you. Now intercede with the Lord that he may remove the serpents from us. See, that was their first request. Take it away. Don't want this anymore. And Moses prayed that first request. Look at what it says. And Moses interceded for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a standard. I want you to know to this day that is the symbol of medicine. The snake on the stick, the serpent on the standard, is the symbol of modern medicine. Make a fiery serpent and set it on a standard, and it shall come about that everyone who is bitten when he looks at it shall live. Everyone who is bitten. Did he take away the serpents? No. Take away the pain? No. 
What he did was give them a cure in the midst of the pain. He offered them, just like he always had, a choice between life and death. He said, you choose. I will always give you a way to access my grace. It sounds like 1 Corinthians 10, 13, doesn't it? No temptation has overtaken a man or taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. And, watch this, will provide the way of escape that you may hold up under it. Did he take away the temptation altogether? No. You're still holding up under it. But what he's done in the middle of that is given you a way of escape. And he's saying, this is the answer to your prayer. You want to take it or don't you? You want to recognize me or don't you? I'm not going to remove all your pain. But I'm going to give you an outpouring of my grace. So therefore, see, we need to pray through the details of life, whether life's going our way or not. Because God is always in every detail. Now, let me tell you one more thing. Then I'll quit. This, this last part amazes me. I'm going to skip over to verse 25. It says, Brethren... Pray for us. That just amazes me. Paul needs prayer. Oh, my goodness. Well, what is there that Paul couldn't do? I mean, Paul was one of the greatest theological geniuses in, in, of all time. Probably the greatest theological genius of all time. So, it, it, this must not be a matter of theological ignorance or theological capability. Paul was one of the deepest walking Christians he, he understood that even in his suffering, God could glorify himself. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. He understood even Christ to that level. Then why did he need prayer? Well, let's just pick out two things. There are many things we need prayer for, but let's just pick out two this morning. I was reading a, a missionary this week, and, and uh, she, she pointed this out, and I, I liked it. First of all, it's not so that you won't do anything after your prayers. Prayers call us to action. Prayers call us to action. George Mueller said, the most important time of prayer is the 15 minutes right after you've finished. Prayer calls us to action. But, prayer also helps us to recognize that in the daily walk of life, there are two things we can never do. First of all, prayer changes hearts. You know, the main thing in this world is to have a changed heart. Someone once said, it's not your aptitude, but your attitude that determines your altitude. I like that. It's not your aptitude, but your attitude that determines your altitude. Prayer changes hearts. I, you know what? I, I know a lot of people, but a lot of people come up to me and say, Oh, worried, you know. Oh, pastor, I want my husband to become a Christian so bad. I'm trying so hard. Don't. <laughs> Don't try so hard because you're just building up rebellion. You're just building up rebellion. You live Christ. You love Christ. And leave the rest of the Holy Spirit. Your husband's conversion is not your business. That's God's business. Only God can change a heart. And you know what? Only God can change your heart. If you're having a rough time with something, only God can change that heart. And you know what does it? Better than any other device? Prayer. Give your life to God, not just in that subject, but in every subject, and you will find your heart 
being changed into the heart of Christ. It happens. It happens. And the second thing that prayer is so valuable in is spiritual warfare. I probably don't preach on this enough. I should. Every day is a battle. Every day there's spiritual warfare going on in this world. We don't realize the things that are determined beyond our efforts, that are determined, before, that are, that are determined for us. And I believe that our prayer has everything to do with that. Now watch this. Not because we convince God to do something. Someone has said, prayer is not overcoming the reluctance of God. Please don't think that. Please don't think if you pray hard enough, you're going to out-argue God. Please don't think that if you and God are in a dispute about a matter, you're going to convince Him, oh, God's going, oh, I was all wrong. I didn't see it that way, you know? No, 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 no. Prayer is not to overcome the reluctance of God. Prayer is to grasp the highest willingness of God. And that is to understand that what God wants for a situation and how God can bring about the situation is the only thing that counts. Every day we are in a battle and the battle is over control. And we want to take control and we, and we want to have control and, and we, want to, we want to do things our own way. And Satan helps us, you know. Satan, Satan's very practical. Oh, you're one of the practical people. Satan says, oh, you don't want to pray. That's, that's not practical. I give you a way. You can do this deal. Don't have to pray. Don't have to depend on God. Save the big stuff for him. I, you, there's always a way. There's always just a little way. Beck and I went to see uh, Phantom of the Opera this week. What a marvelous production. And I won't, I won't spoil this for those of you who are going, but, but let me tell you, for those of you who have been, that's all about spiritual warfare. I mean, from, from the beginning, when the auction, the item number that starts the play is item number 666. And the rest of the play is around the theme of evil control in order to give success. That's what it's all about. It's about giving some evil presence control of your life so that you can be successful in the way you want to. Well, let me tell you, that's not about opera. That's about you. And that's about me. About finding a way other than God to achieve what we need to achieve. Now, you pray every day. Pray details. And your mind will be changed. And if you don't know the words, you know, you say, Hunter, I really want to pray. But I'm really rusty at this thing. And, and, and 15 minutes out I, after I got out of here, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be demotivated. Okay, you say, you tell me now, I understand this also, but I'm going to be demotivated. One of the things I think we need is we, we don't pray enough together. And so every Wednesday night, we're going to have a prayer time right here as a congregation. You come if you need a booster shot. It's, 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 a, it's a time of rejoicing. It's a time of confidence. It's a time of faith. It's a time of healing. It's a time of testimony. Most of you people never hear a testimony of what God does through prayer. And so, so you're not, you don't know that, that it works, you know? And so we want to have that every Wednesday night. That's kind of a booster shot. But, but some of you say, okay, I'll do it, but I don't know how. I don't know. Because you still got in your head the these and the thous and the, the piling up the phrases, you know? Listen to this. God takes care of the how. If Romans 8 is about anything, it says if we only groan, the Holy Spirit's the one that's doing the praying for us. He's the one that knows the words. 
You know, somebody said somebody said that they uh, there's an illustration I read about somebody uh, calling up and and said my copier's broken, and the and the technician on the other end said, well, what's wrong with it? He says, well, it doesn't work. Well, what what lights are on? Well, I, I don't know. There's just some lights, and, and we don't I don't know. See, he didn't even. You know, but then a technician came out and he called, and he said, you know, the Humpty Frats of the Schnitterditz is, you know, bent wallygag, you know, or whatever the whatever the thing is, you know. Well, you know what? That's what happens when we pray and we don't know the words. The Holy Spirit says the Humpty Frats of the Winternitz is the wallygag is, you know, he's the one that interprets that. So don't worry about your eloquence. Just worry about your consistency. And don't even worry about it. Do it. Bless, bless me by praying with me. God, thank you for this time together. Thank you that, that you give us victory. Thank you that if we don't see the victory, it's just because we quit looking. Help us to look again. Help us to continue to look for what you're doing in our situation until we see it clearly. Help us to have the faith and the confidence to bring all of the details of our lives to you every day. Help us, Lord God, to speak to you even when we don't have the words. Father, we know you well. And we know even if we don't have the words, you can still listen to our hearts. And that's what we ask you to do. In Jesus' name, amen.